0: Vacation alert from the three-row Jeep Grand Cherokee L. Mama and Papa want to go hiking. Los abuelos want to relax at the beach. And the kids want to go to the amusement park. With seating for up to seven, you and your loved ones can enjoy all these adventures and more. Jeep. There's only one. Visit jeep.com to learn more. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Take something iconic, like the all-electric 2024 Fiat 500e. Add something electrica. Bring the swagger. And an Italian icon is remixed and ready to drop with its available premium JBL audio system. Tap the banner to learn more. Fiat is a registered trademark of FCA Group Marketing SPA, used under license by FCA US LLC.
3: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rest is Football. I'm Gary Lineker and I'm joined of course uh, by our magnificent pairing of Alan Shearer and Micah Richards. We've got lots to talk about today and we'll be discussing all the best moments and key talking points from a busy weekend in the Premier League and Football League. But before that, uh, there's only one place really for us to start today. Uh, We were hoping this morning would be one of jubilation and celebration, but unfortunately the fell at the final hurdle against a brilliant Spanish side. Um, But I'm pleased to say we've been joined by Karen Carney to reflect on that game and the tournament as a whole. Uh, Karen, they were so close. What an agonising game it was.
1: Yeah, just proper gutted, to be honest. Um, You get yourself to a final and I think we were favourites going into it Um, just because Spain had not been in that situation before in terms of major finals at international tournaments. But as you said, Gary, we were beaten by the better team, unfortunately. And the goal was won by margins, mistake. And you get punished at the top level, as all of you three know. So unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be. But on a positive note, at least it was one of them where we were beaten by the better team. It's not like we didn't try and do stuff. We changed shape. We changed personnel. We did everything. And sometimes you just have to hold your hand up and go, better team won and... Um, we had a fantastic tournament.
3: How do you think um, the players will perceive the tournament overall, though? It's another massive plus for women's football in this country, isn't it? Really?
1: Yeah, look, it's it's a massive plus for the country, but I think for the, the team, I think they went in with the belief to win it. And I think mm. they'll be on that plane back, whether it's today or, in, or tomorrow, disappointed. You know, you're, you're European champions. Um, before this game, we'd lost one game in 38. You know, we played some amazing um, teams along the way and it's been difficult but we went in as favourites and I think the players would have gone look 90 minutes and we'll have this World Cup but so I think they'll be disappointed but like I said Spain under 17 champions under 20 champions senior champions they dominate domestic domestically and in Champions League so when you look at it like that Spanish football in terms of women's football is doing something really special. And um, maybe we have a look at what they're doing and, and not steal it because we've got our own identity, but just have a look at why they're the best across the whole uh, of women's football, really.
0: Um, I just want to ask you about the the manager, uh, Karen, because I think she's exceptional. I think she's been brilliant since she come um, and done what she's done for England. But she's been known for making brave decisions at the right times, but bringing off Daly and Russo at half-time, was that too much of a gamble?
1: No, not, not for me. The shape wasn't working. Um, we've had to play this three five two because we've lost major personnel leading into the tournament. We didn't look comfortable playing the way we would played for eight months. We went into the tournament at the start and it just didn't look how we were playing. We were out of rhythm, we were out of sync. So she stuck with it going into the final and then it wasn't working, you know, the the Spanish two tens were causing us problems, we were getting done down the sides, just getting massively overloaded. So she had to, I I like that, I like that she was reactive. I mean, how many times have we been at major tournaments and said the manager, we saw it, we all saw it, why didn't they make changes? I personally can't fault her. You know, maybe we needed Russo on in terms of um, physicality, someone up top, I get that. But I'd rather be sat here today saying our manager was bold, recognised that it wasn't working and went with it rather than sat here going, if only. So I have to still applaud her. And like I said, Mica, the Spanish midfield and the two fullbacks are just exceptional and they just cause us massive problems.
3: Who's impressed you the most in this, this tournament uh, for England? Karen, um, I thought defensively the, the back three and and the goalkeeper Mary Erps were, were were fabulous.
1: That's not like centre forwards, Gary, to recognise defenders. <laughs> That's a
3: very good point.
1: But um, I I have to agree with you. I thought Alex Greenwood um, has done a brilliant job on that left side of the three. Millie Bright, you know, came into the tournament, played, hadn't played for three or four months, had knee surgery, and Jess Carter again, a colossal and. Mary Earps, for me, is the best goalkeeper in, in women's football at this moment in time. So, you know, the, I thought they were amazing. Um, going into the final, we'd only conceded three goals. And, you know, we had to heavily rely on them because of the injuries. We wasn't as free-flowing in the attacking areas. So we had to rely on them defensively.
2: Karen, you, you, we, I mean, there is a sense of disappointment this morning. But when you look at the hurdles that Serena Vigman had to get by and the England team had to get by, even before ball was kicked with the injuries, then into the tournament, you lose another big player, then you lose another big player through suspension. There has to be a part and think, wow, what, what? I know it's disappointment now, and it might be for the next seven or 10 days, but when you look at the bigger picture, there has to be huge positivity that comes out of the tournament.
1: Massively, and you make some really great points there, Alan, and you got to look at world football as well. USA went, Germany went, Brazil went, France went, you know, top nations... And you're right, Alan, we had the injuries, the suspensions, injuries pre-tournament. You know, there's been a lot of an unrest, really, For but the one thing that we do have is a manager that is so calm. You never see the manager flustered. You never see her, you know, really agitated. And, and that will always reflect in the team, really. And, and I think she's done an amazing job. And, you know, as you said, Alan, in maybe seven to 10 days, we'll look back and think, what a great tournament for England. But just on the after the eve of a final, you're thinking, if only.
3: Yeah. What does this mean um, for the continued growth of women's football in this country
1: Karen I think look if personally I don't think we capitalize after winning the European championships I think as a as a sport I don't think we we pushed it enough I still think that we the attendances yes at WSL they grew but not enough for me I think the w- way women's game is going there's a clear appetite and we've got to capitalize on that so I hope in terms of the women's game, we really do that after this World Cup because it wasn't just England that everyone fell in love with. It was all the nations, really. It was a fantastic tournament and we were talking about football. Um, you know, when you got Pep Guardiola talking about Bon Matti, you know, that's football. We're not talking about, oh, it's women's football. And in the past this and that's happened. This is now at a level where the, the product is exceptional. But I think it goes back to, like, I did a review commissioned by the government recently into the future of women's football. And it goes back to, we still need to push the agenda at schools. We still need to improve at grassroots levels, facilities, academies, and pushing the WSL because we can't just have this golden generation. We need more um, and we need it to continually be happening.
2: Karen, I know you said you did the review for the government. Are you are, are, are you happy in terms of what they're giving the women's game and how much they're putting into it and what they can give back?
1: Look, Alan, you know me. I'll always be pushing for more. Um, it's what we yep. do, right? Good. Um, and, you know, they're in recess at the moment. So I'm sure when they come back and they've got to answer <laughs> in autumn, if they don't, I'll be banging some doors down for sure and it might be number 10. But, um, yeah, but we've just got to keep going. Um, it's we need to, to keep pushing it and I'll keep pushing the agenda as much as I can. And I have to say you guys on here as male allies have been massive over the last however many years, you know, as a broadcaster as well. Um, I just want to say thank you because we're all part of this. It's just football. Um, and um, yeah, hopefully we keep, keep moving it forward.
3: The one thing we hope will certainly happen out of this, Karen, as it did, I suppose, after the Euros is that, uh, that more young girls, um, get into football, start watching football, start playing football, and schools are more open towards uh, young girls playing football?
1: No, spot on, Gary. And like I said, there'll be lots of people inspired by watching the Lionesses. And and that's where I go back to that. Are there facilities? Are there enough facilities? Are schools giving the opportunities? Because there's no point being inspired if you can't play it. So that's the type of stuff that we've got to change. You know, our facilities... Adequate for little girls to go to? Um, are schools giving the same opportunities to girls as they are as boys? You know, are we increasing our academy funding, um, which is 88 million for boys and 3.25 for girls? So there is a disparity still, and I appreciate we're still a growing sport. And even myself, I said, look, we're a startup business, but you can't tell me now there's not an appetite and we have to do something about it. And like I said, we didn't do enough after the Euros, in my opinion. We moved the dial, but not enough. And we've got to keep going.
0: You mentioned that, Karen, and you're doing a scheme now where you're giving kids free coaching. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yes, yeah, so I, I teamed up with um, Power League, again, going back to the point of like facilities. If you think about it, facilities in the past were for the demand and the demand has only been boys and men, really. That's what it is. But now we've obviously inspired the next generation of young girls. We've got to give them the facilities to go and play. So I teamed up with Power League to get 103 hours of pitch access. So they could go and play for free. Um, and I thought that was really cool because it's authentic to me, authentic with what I found after the review. Um, but again, we need to keep doing that more and more. I hope it continues. Um, and again, I'll keep pushing for it. You know me, guys.
3: We do. Um, one last question before we let you go. Karen, um, if someone had told you perhaps 10 years ago that this is the state that um, women's football would be in in this country right now, um, you'd have taken that, wouldn't you?
1: I would have, and if someone had told me at nine o'clock this morning I'd be with Michael Richards, Alan Shearer, and Gary Lineker, definitely would have So, uh, and it'd be the, the topic of your football podcast. So, yeah, look, I'm really, really happy. Um, yeah, and I just want to say the team. You know, I got goosebumps. I am really proud of them, and the the, the game is in a good spot. Can it improve? Absolutely, but um, for now, um, I'm really proud after the the World Cup final yesterday.
3: Well, there's a downside to everything, Karen, you had to you had to suffer us this morning. Um, but thank you very much uh, for your time. Uh, we very much appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Keep up the good work. Thanks, gents.
3: Let's take a break. Welcome back to the Rest is Football. We're going to focus now on the best of the action from the Premier League and Football League over the weekend. Um, before we get to the action on the pitch though, um, I just wanted to share a little story about Saturday and um, Mr. Shearer, who loves to be early, I have to say. He's, he's, he's very punctual, is um, Alan. But on Saturday, he overdid himself because um, he agreed to do a five live interview from Salford where we record match of the day. Um, but he didn't know there was no early kickoff, so he managed to get there three hours early. <laughs> <laughs> you
2: idiot! <laughs> exactly, Mike. That's exactly what I was calling. Actually, I was calling myself a lot worse than that. I looked us at. You fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> I realised, I got a text off Rich, our producer, on Thursday saying, just to remind you lads, there's no early game. <laughs> I'd already agreed to do five lives, so I thought, there's no way I couldn't pull out, so yeah. I was sat in the, uh, I was sat in the office at, um, at just after 12 o'clock, finishing the radio and sat there all on my own, waiting for two and a half, three hours for someone to come and join me. Disaster. I knew, I knew straight away it was going to be a bad
0: Saturday. Is that why your head's shiny, though? He's <laughs> had a haircut, Gary. Look at him. <laughs> what?
2: I can't remember the last time I had a haircut, Mike. I had a shave, definitely. i do it myself.
3: Alan, remember, remember when you were clinging on to that little island on the front of oh. your head for a little while?
2: Why didn't someone fucking tell me I looked a right prat when that was the case? I did look a right fool with that little island, didn't I? It was like, it was like a Steve McLaren island on there, wasn't it? <laughs>
3: something else that amused me over the weekend um, what the Newcastle players did to to Nali Alan oh
2: yeah that was brilliant wasn't it I mean I I think from what I could gather he's gone into the dressing room and he's broken English and I said to them guys I'm looking for a nice restaurant in Newcastle And and as the dressing room would do, they said, yeah, we've got a great one for you. They told him to go into Weatherspoons, And and there was even had a booking piece of paper on the table and Weatherspoons, booked for Tonali for 130 for four people.
0: But surely, Um, surely when you go and you go outside and you have a look, you think, oh, this is not for me. Surely.
2: It's a lovely place where Weatherspoons is in Newcastle. It's amazing.
3: <laughs>
2: they've had some publicity over the weekend. They must be absolutely delighted. Oh. Uh, oh. <laughs> right,
3: on, on to the football and, and, and perhaps the more serious stuff. Um, what caught your eye at the weekend, Michael? What was the, the moment for you of um, wh- and who impressed you? Who didn't?
0: Um it was
3: Chelsea are still
0: impressing me a, a, a little bit, even though they've they lost. I think. Watching Chelsea, having watched them the week before and, uh, against Liverpool and having their structure, know exactly what they want to do, but then trying to implement it, it's almost like they've got too many players and they don't know how to get them all working.
2: <laughs> Not said that many times and over no, the last two years. It, yes,
0: but now they just need a little bit of stability because all the play, all the intricate play is there, but they just can't finish it off. But a star for me was Sterling. Sterling... Mm was excellent. This was Sterling from two years ago. A lot of people said he can't play on the right. A lot of his good work came down that right. Jinking and jiving, good end product at times. If
3: only someone was there to put it away. So I'm going to go with Raheem Sterling. Well, we're talking about um, Raheem. It's it's probably good, obviously, with the European Championship coming up. And he's always performed well in in, in the tournaments, hasn't he, for England? And it also shows you, don't, don't you think about the fact that you can't really judge a Chelsea player from last season can you because there are so many of them uh, that I can't think there's one player played probably to to his abilities last season it just shows you doesn't it if the club's in a mess if it's in turmoil it will be reflected on the pitch
2: no you're absolutely right I, 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 I mean Chelsea were they were, a, they were a mess the shambles and it was pretty embarrassing what happened to them last season but I do agree with Micah if you believe in the process and you believe in what Pochettino is going to do or trying to do. It's going to take time. There's there's no way you can just flick a switch and it's going to be from how terrible they were last year to all of a sudden, because they've got a few new players in, they're going to be brilliant. They're not. It's going to take a little bit of time, but I think he's an exceptional coach and given time, which <laughs> you, you don't often get it at Chelsea, but I do think it'll be different for this manager because I think he's a very good coach and he'll get it right.
0: Gary, you know this manager
3: very well, don't you? You spent many, many times with him, haven't you? Well, he was a part of our team in the World Cup, Michael, wasn't he? I didn't really know him um, particularly well before then.
2: It's impressive personality, Yes,
3: huh? he is. He's very smart. He's he's obsessed with the game. He, he carried his little laptop around with coaching sessions on during, during the World Cup. And, and we were all having conversations about him like that. But he's also very likable. Um, which I think it, nowadays more perhaps than, than our days is, is more of a commodity, is it more important to be that way. did you speak Spanish with him a couple of times? Well, I did, Micah. That's only because I didn't want you to know what off, I, I was he? saying. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: He'll get it right, Pochettino. I have no doubt about that, but it's going to take a little bit of time.
3: I want to talk a little bit about Tottenham because <laughs> I think if there's one team possibly that has been a bit of a surprise certainly in a positive way this season Um, considering what's been going on considering the fact that they've lost obviously their talisman in in Harry Kane um, they've come out and they they were really good at the weekend weren't they against Manchester United
0: they were excellent, and you remember at the start of the season, I said Spurs will play a very good brand of football. A lot of people were saying, okay, he's, he's, he's done it in Japan, he did it in Scotland, can he do it in the Premier League? I think if your ideas are right, and you want to play a certain style of play, it doesn't mean you're going to be successful, but it's going to be enjoyable. And I think Spurs, over the last couple of years, had some great managers, but it's not fit. The style of play. But can we talk about Man United? Man United, they are so baffling in what they are trying to do. Just when you think they've cracked it and they're going on an upward spiral, they're just put on two pathetic performances. And you're looking around, but they need they need something in midfield because they're not controlling games at all i don't know if rashford wants to be a striker he wants to play on the left i know you spoke to him many times gary but i think he needs to play on the left i think they need a proper number nine now someone who's gonna get hold of the ball so the rest of the the team can play off him
2: they've got that though micah they've brought they've brought in a center forward man united i know he's, he's injured and they've paid a hell of a lot of money for him for someone so young and inexperienced so there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders highland isn't there um but i mean yeah they were they were terrible at the weekend man united until he until he sorts that conundrum out in in midfield then they're going to continue to have problems because clearly those three in casemiro mount and fernandes it hasn't worked in the two games they've been battered in both games in that department and overrun outfought outthought and um yeah big big work to be to be done there for them to uh, for them to improve
3: if you've got, if you're going to play that way with two forward-thinking midfielders and only one predominantly defensive-minded midfielder, you, you you've got to have your two wide men working hard and tracking back, and they don't really do that. So they've they've clearly got problems in that department, probably more more than the problems up front. I mean, it's interesting you talked about. Ba- I wanted to talk about you about, um, you know, going there and under pressure as a as a as a big signing, but that's part parcel of being a top-class footballer who's handling that, isn't it, Alan?
2: You've got to, yeah. I mean,
3: were I you ever afraid talk, of it?
2: No, I can only no. talk about myself in the way that I absolutely loved it. If it, I mean, I loved the. I've never. I've been always been reluctant to call it pressure because everyone wants to be in our position. Every most people want to be a footballer. Most people want to be the the biggest or the best in the in the world. So. When someone pays a lot of money for you that everyone was looking at me and I was thinking, yeah, love it. That's what, this is what I've always wanted. So I, I, I get there's a certain amount of pressure on you to go and perform, but I think that's really, really good pressure. I think that's a good thing.
0: Can I ask you, as two top strikers, pressure is different to uh, players who are a top, top level. Was you lot just not better than everybody else or did you feel the pressure? like everyone else. There's a difference between top line and just below. I, In my opinion, I was never top level. I, I had, I threatened to be top level and I had maybe a top level season, but I couldn't have the consistency. So I was always chasing that top level and put too much pressure on myself
3: and never delivered. But you lot have been at the top. Well, I, I, speaking personally, I I think... There's an element of natural ability, obviously, um, for any footballer. You you can't possibly make it um, to the top without having some kind of talent. But for me, what what's most important is what's between the ears. And don't make any jokes there, Alan, because I know you've sent it <laughs> already. Um, <laughs> um, and 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 be, and I think it, the the mental strength that the the, the Resilience to deal with um, spells when things are not going well. To deal with fan, your own fans' abuse at times, if you like, and the handling the pressure of of the big situation. I felt for me that was my strongest attribute. You were saying you were, you know, you were just better players. For me, that was n- that was not the case. I don't think I was a brilliant footballer. I don't think I was enormously talented in terms of you know touch and technique and beating players and stuff like that. Um, but I was very resilient and very strong and and thought about the game a lot in, in that sense. So I think there are different strengths that and, and, and lots of things that need to come together if you're going to make it absolutely to the top. But I think that the mental side and, and, and coping with the stress, coping with the pressure is perhaps the most important ingredient of them all. I don't know whether Alan concurs.
2: No, I agree. Um- yeah, mentally, I think it's that's that makes a difference. Um, there's no doubt about it. I just enjoyed everyone looking at me, thinking he has to make the difference. He's the one that we paid the money for. He's the number nine. He's it's, he's the one that we have to look to if something needs changing. I loved that. I thought it was amazing. Um, I never ever saw it as pressure, to be
3: honest. Well, whenever you're in the office, Alan, you still enjoy it when we all look at you. I've, <laughs> I've noticed that. <laughs> We, we can Gary, say,
2: it's not between the ears is the problem. It's the fucking ears. That's your problem.
3: <laughs> See, you came in a bit late <laughs> Sorry, there. Sorry, I, I,
2: I had to just get it out. There. It was, you did. I, it was yeah. on the tip of
3: my tongue. Uh, I know you did. Um, going back to the Tottenham side of things, I know you tried to drift it away with your anti-Manchester United <laughs> stuff oh, there, Oh, no, do b- b- Being a City man. But Tottenham's midfield, by contrast, and um, I suppose you have to take into consideration that Wolves midfield... Um, also, yeah. walked all over Manchester United, but the these and Basuma combination um, with Madison just ahead of it really did work, Alan.
2: They were they were absolutely fantastic. I mean, they looked fit, got a goal, did um, defended. It was it was everything you want from midfielders. They had they had energy. They got up and down. They created. Uh, they got a great response from uh, from their fans. And it worked. It worked superbly well. I mean, Man United missed a couple of chances in the first half. It might have been different if that if, they, if those had gone in. But all ifs and buts and what have you, Spurs took their chances and they were a the much better team, deserved to win. And were pretty impressive, yeah. And I mean, we said it on Saturday night, didn't we? When, when the talisman goes or doesn't play... It's always an opportunity for for other players to step up and uh, and and improve. And I thought that's what they did on uh, on Saturday. Spurs early doors for them, I know, but early encouraging signs.
3: If you can hear any noise in the background, um, the, the bin men have just arrived outside, <laughs> outside outside the house. They're putting Alan's shit
0: in the bin aren't they, after
3: what he's just said. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, you he does
2: to- talk some rubbish. <laughs> you want to put that fucking t-shirt in there as well,
3: by the way. <laughs> that's a lo- which, what, what's wrong with this t-shirt?
2: Just got I was not about you, I was not about Micah. Oh, that's all right.
3: What's wrong with Micah's t-shirt? It looks very, very smart to me. Uh, Brighton. Brighton continue wow. to impress us, don't they? It doesn't <laughs> seem to matter who they lose, how many players they lose, how much they sell them for. They s- still keep churning out um, brilliant performances. And at the weekend, uh, they were fabulous, weren't they? And that Mitoma goal.
2: I did that game, Gary. I watched. I watched all of it. I and, know. I um, sat with you. They were. They were superb in every department. I mean, and seesaw Mitoma uh, again. Solly Marsh. Yeah, a couple of goals, really, really impressive. I mean, the way they move it from back to front and hit you on the break, uh, yeah. And <laughs> they, I mean, it's amazing what they do in terms of how they get rid of a player or get rid of a coach, and then another one's there straight away, ready to come in. What a what a model they've uh, they've got there, um, and they've been mightily impressive the first couple of
0: games. How did they continue to keep doing it? We always said recruitment. Yeah, we know they've got good recruitment. And so did Southampton a couple of seasons ago. But Brighton keep pushing the levels constantly year after year. And you're thinking, why are the rest of the, 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 the league not shopping in the, in the same market that 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 they are? I just, I find it baffling being able... The, the perfect example was Kaiseido. You know, four million pounds, four million.
3: Didn't have the best start either, did he? Bless him.
0: He had a bit of a torrid time, didn't he? But 100, go rising to 115 million. I've got nothing but nice things to say about Brighton. I'm looking forward to who's next.
3: The Matoma goal, um, oh. one of those, what we always say it, oh, an early challenger for goal of the season, but it, it, yeah. it, it genuinely was. Um, it was quite interesting about him, isn't it, that he did a university degree, um, as most of us footballers did. Um, <laughs> did, you, did you do one, Gary? Yeah, I went to Oxford. Everyone knows that. You went to Oxford? Yeah, we lost 1-0. <laughs> <laughs> He's oh. <laughs> playing
0: he well this morning.
2: He? He's, he's, just... been up, he's been in the gym, he's sharp, he's moving well, look at
3: him.
0: Oh, he's, he's having a
3: blight <laughs> Alan, Alan, no one's set me up like that since Beardsley. It's <laughs> beautiful, no, he, beautifully yeah, it's done, Mike. It? Thank yeah. you very much. But um, he took a university degree and he did his thesis on dribbling in football. I mean, and he had a GoPro on his chest as well that he filmed when he was going up players to work out their weaknesses, and that's quite that's quite some preparation, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I wish he had a GoPro on him on Saturday because when he went past yeah. those three or four defenders, it was sublime. The balance technique was just incredible. What a goal!
0: Just imagine, Alan, if you did a dissertation. On shooting, instead of two hundred and sixty six, you could have. Like I four, did, Michael. Four... I, I, I went. I went to Northumberland
2: University as a youngster and got a degree.
0: What was the degree
2: in? <laughs> in goal scoring.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what an idiot you are! <laughs> what do you think about that, though? In 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 real terms, I mean, over here. um No one goes to, no no footballer really goes to university. It's incredibly rare um, because you sort of have to leave school at 16 to have a chance and join the club, don't you? I know the academies at certainly the big clubs now, and well, most Premier League clubs do offer um, education for young players, um, but it's difficult because most of them, well, the vast majority don't make it. So that education side's important. It is an issue, isn't it?
0: yeah i think it, i think it is when i was uh, coming through at man city i was sort of i was down there from 14 and i moved down permanently when i was 15 but i knew i had to give absolutely everything to to be a, a footballer had i had an any bad injury i would have been snookered because i'm, I'm quite witty i understand life <laughs> 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 we'll be the but judge of that, Mike. Academically, I'm not the greatest. I just I don't like tests. I don't. You I, I don't, don't like, like penalties. I don't like. I don't like pressure. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed. Yeah, but now at least, um, especially I can only talk from the Man City uh, perspective on this. Um, they give you schooling till at least 18, and they pay for that, so they give you the best chance possible. But in my day, it was, ne- it was never the case, no. Yeah.
3: Rodri's, Rodri's doing a degree, isn't he, at Manchester City? Oh,
0: yes, I heard it. I'm not. Uh, Vincent Company did a degree yes, as he well. Did. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what Rodri's taking it in, if I'm being totally honest. The
2: PFA and the LMA do do offer you that once you you are a professional footballer or, or manager. that That is out there for you. I was the same, Micah, when I I left home at 15, went down to Southampton on the old... YTS scheme and um, as part of that uh, there was an educational programme where you had to work one morning or one afternoon and then one full day during the week and I have to say I hated it I just wasn't interested I just wanted to get out on the pitch and play football
3: Producer Harry has just shown me that it's business management that uh, Rodri's studying at uni um, you remember Alan Smith well he's, he's co-commentator now for, for Sky does a lot of work I, I played with him at Leicester he was actually kind of whisked out of university by, uh, I think it was either Jot Wallace or Gordon Milne. I can't remember which manager was in charge at Leicester at the time. And he was taken out of university to join me at Leicester City with um, Steve Linex. We that's I'm reminiscing, I'm (laughs) reminiscing. (laughs) Mike has
2: never heard of Steve Linex. (laughs) I'm
3: sure sure he hasn't. He was a great lad. Used to call him Charlie Chan. Um, And um, he was a right winger. Really quick, he was one of those players that turned up every week at home. He was a real, you know, when they used to call that phrase, he was a homer. homer. <laughs> you didn't see him much on away days, um, <sighs> but he was really good at home. Took all the pen. he was the player that stopped me getting on penalties at Leicester because he never missed. So, um, imagine
2: how many goals you would have scored. Lineker,
3: I know. Well, I wasn't just a penalty taker like you were, Alan,
2: yeah, right. Oh, you didn't do naff all else other than score goals. <laughs>
3: Well, what else is it to do? <laughs> That's a good point. Look at you, Mr. <laughs> Creative there. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I'm, I'm very worried, I have to say, about another of my former clubs, um, Everton. My goodness, I watched that yesterday and they were poor against it. I mean, credit to Aston Villa. They were terrific on the front foot, scored some good goals and, and, and played really well, particularly after their opening day Um defeat at, at the hands of your mob, um, Alan. So... I'm worried about Everton though.
2: Yeah, but we we said it before the ball was kicked. I, just, I don't think you have to be a genius to look at Everton and think it's going to be a long, hard mm. season for them. Um, and from what I've seen in the first two games, it's going to be exactly that. Uh, They're desperate for someone to put the ball in the back of the net. And yeah, yesterday would be a worry. I mean, because even last weekend when they were beaten at home, the, the the good thing or the positive thing is that they were still creating chances. I know they, they missed a few and, and that's going to be a, an issue. But to ship in the manner that they did yesterday, um, very worrying if
3: you're an Everton fan, yeah. Did you see that game, Micah?
0: Yeah. What struck me from that game, apart from the abysmal defending, was Calvert-Lewin getting an, another mm-hmm. injury. And, I, and I've been in this position, so I can sympathise. With
3: How hard is it going through that when you, because const- I think some fans get, oh, he's injured again, he doesn't really, you know, but it's it's it must be devastating to constantly have these injuries just as you get back, something else comes.
0: You know, it's, it's one of those things where, you, you remember we've all had coaches and they always say, make sure you're you're living right. And what they mean by that is eating well, not going out drinking, getting your sleep and all these things. But over the last 18 months, because Calvert-Lewin's quite fashionable and they have seeing him on the front of, of magazines, now people say that he's not concentrating on his football, so the old old school coaches will be no nonsense. Stop doing that. But the new modern footballer in their spare time wants to show their character, and that is getting used against him a, a lot. But that's we not don't fair, fair, is it? But, that, but that's what I mean. It's not fair to judge someone just because they do that. The reason why the manager's putting him in because he believes in his ability and he's working ever so hard to get back. And unfortunately, he's just going through one of them times where he can't get anything right. And that can play on your mental health. And I don't want to. People talk about mental health. We've all been. We've all got mental health. But it's very difficult when people are constantly saying negative things about you because then you start feeling you start thinking negatively as as well. And he just needs one goal, to get his confidence back and no injuries. And we can all see what a good player he is. But I just hope people stop judging him for what he does outside of the field because it's an easy target.
3: Well, it's not like he's partying, is it? Or going out and doing, he's, you know, he's, he's just, got a kind of fashion consciousness and he's he's, he's quite stylish in in that sort of ways you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't aren't you in, in many ways you saw the thing with Marcus rashford didn't you when he did the campaigning for the for feeding our school children I mean you can't do anything more important and more valuable than that in society but then you I was always waiting for the dip in form for everyone to blame that mm-hmm. when <laughs> in reality that's that's not got anything to do with it has it but it gives I suppose it gives them a stick to whack you with in some ways Alan
2: yeah absolutely Um, unfortunately that's the life of a of a footballer you can't you can't let uh, it affect you you can't worry too much about what other people are feeling or thinking so long as he's trying to do everything he can to be on a pitch as much as he can then that's all he can do what I would say is though from an Everton point of view I bet Sean Dyche Mean Warren and Steve Stone are banging on the door of the chairman on whoever it is that constantly get me a Ford in this club ASAP, or we're going to have big problems.
3: Uh, let's go and talk about life outside um, the top flight just uh, for a few minutes. Did you see the Wrexham? Um, I didn't see the game, but I mean, they do have some extraordinary matches, don't they? High-scoring affairs. Um, We met Ryan Reynolds, didn't we, when we did the um, FA Cup tie. Um, Wrexham, uh, was it Spurs, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah, last season. And... um, we were saying to him then, I'm, I'm, are you sure this is um, unscripted television that, that you're making? Because obviously they're doing that series um, at the moment. Um, welcome to Wrexham. But at the weekend, 5-3 down in injury time and managed to, to draw 5-5. Five, five. <laughs>
2: I text uh, because it's Rob Lee's son, isn't it? Elliot Lee that um, scored the last one. So I I text him. um, And you know what? He absolutely loves it there. He said the atmosphere that these guys. Have created is just bloody amazing, and I mean it's no surprise because everyone's having a great time. They're all having fun, and particularly with the big blow that they had in pre-season, losing Paul Mullen, their 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 top mm. scorer from from last season. I think he punctured a lung in uh, yes, in, in America in a mm. pre-season game, so he's going to be out for uh, for for quite a while. So even even that was a big blow to them. So yeah, Elliot is uh, is flying, loving it, scoring at the weekend. So. He's a happy boy, yeah. text him, well done.
3: I must say, I was I was a bit down, really down actually, as were um, three of my boys support Leicester as well and, and when they got relegated at the end of last season. But it's funny with football, isn't it? That once the season starts, which, whichever league you're in, and Leicester are now obviously in the Championship, it still means just as much when they play. You still get a, as much satisfaction as when they win a game. And what happens when you're in the Championship, Funny enough, it seems... You win a lot more matches. Leicester do, have yeah. won three out of three. They're flying up the top with um, Ipswich Town. Who? Um, it's nice
2: to have a. It's nice to have a break, though, isn't it? What would you rather be? You getting you're getting battered every week in the Premier League, and you're fighting relegation all season, and it's miserable, and the fans are angry at you. Yet you get relegated, and all of a sudden you win three out of three. The fan base is happy again. There's a great atmosphere. You're winning again, and it's so different, isn't it?
3: our executive producer Tony um, my partner in the goal hanger um, business um, he's a big Burnley fan and um, I think he, he goes with his three lads as well um repeatedly to up to turf more um, and I think they enjoyed last season as well. In the, in the, I bet they did with with company yep. walking it in the in the championship. Yep. Um, it is an interesting one because it's like feels like the end of the world when your team gets relegated. But actually, once it starts again, you're in a league and then you've, you're, you're challenging for a title. Hopefully, with Leicester, they've managed to scramble three late victories um, so far in the in the league. So, um, what, could, will they
0: do it though, Gary?
3: From what you've seen so far.
0: I know you've probably only seen highlights because all the games have not been on TV but have they
3: got enough to go straight back up? I think they should have. I know they've we've lost um, obviously Madison and um, Tielemans um, and, and Harvey Barnes to Newcastle stolen him right really? he's, he's they're not even playing him from the start either Alan I mean, it won't was- be long well, <laughs> just waiting
2: for Champions League football go for it at the start and then he can play.
3: <laughs> oh, harsh. Um, but I, I I, think they should should have enough. It, it's it's really difficult to, to say at this early stage because it's a very different looking side than, than the one that played last season. But um, they're, they're favourites to go up and, um, and I'd, I'd love them to go up. But I am actually enjoying the fact that, <laughs> it, you know, you wake up on a Sunday morning and won another football match, which is which, which is quite Um I want to f- finish with the um, moment of the week. And I think we've gone this week with, um, I don't know whether you spotted it, but Portsmouth played against Cheltenham. Um, the assistant referee got injured. He was replaced by the fourth assistant referee whatever he's called um and then he got injured and then they put out a message um on the on the the tannoy um asking if there's anyone and someone volunteered he was he was um a a Portsmouth fan who volunteered he ran the line he ran the line and the Cheltenham coach uh, Wade Elliott um he said that the substitute assistant was the best they've had this season
2: (laughs) see we had Howard Webb on the other day telling us how difficult it is to get into refereeing we're clearing a pathway for all these referees to get quicker to the Premier League Fucking easy.
3: What's the problem? Just get the fans to do it. Maybe that's the secret, Micah.
2: I thought you were going to say, you know, I thought you were going to say there was a blatant offside decision for his team and he'd never give it and the yeah. goal counted.
3: Yeah, well, there's no VAR at that level. That's the other thing, actually, in the lower leagues. It, it yeah. makes you think when you... We, I know we were talking to Howard the other day, but it makes you think when you're watching football, you can actually celebrate a goal and know that once it's yeah. given, it's given. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's yeah. But seriously,
3: how did they get injured? How did the both get injured? Like what dad, are they eating? I think they ran into the corner flag. No, I've no, I, I, <laughs> I've, I've, I've no idea on, on, on that front. Um, but it's. It, I remember in, um way back. Can you? You won't remember, Micah. It's before you were born. But Alan probably does. Can you remember when? It, I think it was. I think it was at Highbury. I might be wrong. But they had a similar problem back then, and in those days there was no fourth assistant. Um, so there was, I think, that, that one of the might have been the referee or the um, or, or the assi- linesman, as it was known in in, in those days. Now assistant referee, um, and they called on the tannoy and guess who volunteered? One Jimmy Hill. Really, one Jimmy Hill, yeah, wow. um, and and that was classic Jimmy. He did I mean yeah. um, he's no longer with us, but he was an extraordinary bloke. I mean, he had so many things and that he did for the game. I think he 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 was the man that changed to three points for a, for a win. Um, there were lots of other different th- things, and he was an ext- extraordinary character, uh, Jimmy. I, I I worked with him. Once. Did he
2: end up doing it then?
3: Yeah, he was on the linesman. Yeah, he, oh, wow. he went on. Okay. He went ran the line. Brilliant. Yeah, wow. Yeah, definitely. Amazing. He did it in a game. I mean, it was classic <laughs> Jimmy. He'd love that attention, which reminds me funnily enough of a, a story when I, I, I worked with him and I can't remember what game it was, but we were in the, in the box um, at a game behind the goal. Um, and they could, you know, the, when the fans can see you, and they offered, we've 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 been there ourselves. You get a little bit of stick. So all the fans start singing, Jimmy Hill, you're a wanker, you're a wanker, Jimmy Hill. You're wanker. So they went on and on, and 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 Jimmy just he, he just turned to us and he went, well, that's fame for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, brilliant. Uh, brilliant. <laughs> on, on that note, uh, we'll draw it to a close. Um, Thank you very much, chaps. And um, once again, before before we say goodbye, um, a big thank you for your positive remarks about the podcast. A big thank you um, for listening, and um, we'll we'll keep trying to entertain you. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.
0: Thank you. See you next time.